0: Unpopular opinion, but.
1: Unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion, unpopular unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. opinion.
0: You're listening to Unpopular Opinion, a podcast for professionals from all walks of life who want to hear success stories from innovators who've won by taking the path less traveled. In each episode, recovering journalist and content marketer Ashley Ambersaba interviews individuals who have prospered thanks to their genuinely unpopular opinions, despite warnings from naysayers, threats to their careers, and colossal obstacles. All rebels are welcome. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I am your host, Ashley Ambersava, and this episode is brought to you by my friends at Audience Ops. Audience Ops is a done-for-you content-led growth agency that offers blog posts, case studies, and full-service podcast production for professionals looking to launch a podcast like this one. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Haley Yomani Melhart. Haley is a marketer and a mother who's passionate about, passionate about advocating for women and parents. Like many, she's had an array of experiences from coordinating events in foreign countries to writing about labor market analytics. Today, she's a content marketing manager for a company dedicated to improving the workplace culture for parents and for caregivers. Her rebellious act was quitting her job, Yup, in this economy, before having another one lined up. As a mom herself, she knows firsthand the challenges of trying to grow a career and a family at the same time. But once her boundaries were compromised, she never looked back. Haley, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Your unpopular opinion is that you don't think professionals should always have to have another job lined up before quitting their current job. After you returned from maternity leave, you were faced with a toxic work environment where you were typecasted as a struggling new mom. We've all been there. This led to boundaries being crossed like your flexible working hours and micromanagement happening. And you finally said enough is enough. And you placed all bets on you, which led you to be an unapologetic job seeker, which I love how you phrase that. You've landed a role that allows you to prioritize being a mom and to contribute to something that you're actually passionate about. Can you walk me through that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this might be my longest answer for this whole episode, right? But it's because it's the most substantial. Um first of all, I'm very aware of how privileged I was to be able to quit my job, continue living my life and not have another one lined up. You and I can probably think of a lot of people who if they had that luxury, they would have done the same thing yesterday, right? Um But, and I wanna make it clear, my decision to quit didn't come easily or without a lot of sacrifices. Um, It wasn't a matter of me having a partner who made so much money that it was no object, right? Um, There was a lot of conversation that went into that decision and we had to consult our financial advisor. We had to shift personal home buying goals um, and timelines like that and just get really honest about what it would feel like to live without that added income. But to your point, what makes me rebellious in that way and ultimately very proud of that decision is that I decided to take this leap of faith um, and put full confidence behind the idea that I did have valuable skills and experiences worth offering. Because ironically, the job that I left was centered around empowering women. And specifically moms um, who were looking to re-enter the workforce a very normal part of my job was to look moms in the eyes and say I believe in the skills you have to offer lean into what you've learned as your ty- as a mother um, any employer would be lucky to have you and your tenacity on their team um, so when I became a mom myself it's like this sense of confidence was awakened and I was having to tell myself those that advice um, And it's not that being a mom changed me in that way. It's just that it empowered me and made me firmer in what my boundaries were, what my non-negotiables were. And I just decided, you know what? I have zero tolerance or time or energy for anything that was no longer serving me.
0: Wow. That must have been a big um, decision for you to have to talk through with your family.
1: Yes, it was. It was kind of funny because... The generational differences were obvious and comical right away when I had told them. For example, you know, my spouse and my friends and my siblings immediately so supportive, so understanding. My parents, they were kind of like, uh, okay, like a little bit nervous, a little bit concerned. They're like, we trust you, you got this, but also what? And then, like, my grandparents were just downright confused
0: like like who would leave a job without another opportunity lined up ready to go
1: yeah like what is wrong with you you mean you're not going to be there for 20 years yeah
0: I think though a lot of that has to do with the fact that loyalty has changed a lot um I think our grandparents kind of came up in a time where things like a pension were you know depended on and people didn't leave because they wanted to make sure that they were like set up for life after after they were done within a job and that's just not the case at most companies anymore. Exactly. Can you kind of catch everybody up on your background and your work history so we can get a better picture of just you and how you've got to where you are now?
1: Yes. Um, So I've always kind of been in marketing roles since I was about a sophomore in college. My degree was in sport management and so I started in the college athletics and events um, scene. Once I graduated, that morphed into working more for still collegiate events, but foreign tours and experiences. So an example would be think like college Olympics in other countries, things like that, which is really hard to wrap your brain around, but like not your brain, but anyone's brain, (laughs) Um, because it's just so different in different countries. But then I did more content marketing um, for a labor market analytics company back in 2020. And then I actually took a little bit of a marketing break which is when I was at my most previous job that I left. And that was um, doing nonprofit and program-based work. Um, at that same time, I had a baby. And um, today I am doing content marketing management for uh, a company called Work360.
0: Wow. So you have had a winding journey there. And you had a lot of things going on about the time that you had your baby. No? Didn't wasn't there a move involved and you hadn't been married that long yet? And COVID was going on. You were just kind of in the mix of all of that.
1: Yeah. I've somebody told me like life events happen in a freeze. And I've kind of found that to be true. So during COVID you know i had gotten laid off i was one of i was truly like the first person i knew in my circle to have gotten laid off like it was so fresh um at the time so i had gotten laid off um got married and then my husband and i moved across the state so that he could start grad school so that was kind of our like big 3 back in 2020 and then um we had a baby he got a new job <laughs> and i quit my job <laughs> at the same time this past year.
0: Oh wow, you're you're there's a pattern going on, huh?
1: There's a pattern. So now I'm like <laughs> bracing for the next set of threes.
0: And for you, in working from home is one of the things that is very important to you now that you all, always haven't had the opportunity to do. I think you mentioned that at your last position, not the one that you just most recently left, but the one before that that was hybrid,
1: no? mostly hybrid.
0: And what was it like handling a hybrid position?
1: I think that I could very easily make a case for hybrid or remote work or, you know, and I mean, I don't like the idea of mandatory in office, but I guess I can make a case for the individual, whoever has those different preferences. I think the personality very much shapes what your working style and your working environment should be so that you can be the most successful. Some people can't possibly fathom being remote, and that's totally valid. Um my experience in the hybrid environment, I enjoyed it, but not as much as the remote environment because at the end of the day I still felt so overwhelmed by the amount of things that I could have kept going in my home life um, while I was working. A classic example is like if there's an all staff company meeting where it's like you know everyone's off camera and you got your airpods in those are the moments where I really try to take advantage of like okay keep laundry going keep dishes running feed the baby like walk the dog these are things that I don't consider luxuries they just have to happen to make my life function and to make me a less stressed out human being I absolutely loathe packing lunches and preparing those every day and taking them to work. So the fact that that could be removed (laughs) from my plate every day, that adds to my like quality of work life.
0: Uh, Your quality of like life balance overall too. I think it's very privileged for people to assume that we all are going to be able to have this big commute make it back to picking our kid up from uh, from daycare or whatever that is on time and then have any time left to do things like cooking dinner and then doing laundry and having all these tasks left to do that if you did finish them all by the time you got to bed, you'd probably be so exhausted the next morning having to wake up that it just would never balance itself out. It would be like a never-ending battle.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people talk about you know, well, you can't give people too much flexibility because then you're going to forfeit a sense of productivity. And I'm like, I'm sorry, as a new mom, watch what I can do with a two-hour nap window. I will show you productivity like you've never seen before in an office.
0: Uh, No, moms can get more done when the kid is down for a nap than like any employee that I've ever met. (laughs)
1: 100%.
0: So I want to talk a little bit relating back to your last job, but this is about bridge burning. And people mention all the time that we should not burn bridges and we need to be very careful how we give feedback to employers or just how we even talk about the things that we've been through. What is your take on that?
1: Burn it all down. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have a LinkedIn post about this um, that was totally inspired by Aaron Gallagher, who's the CEO of Ella. Basically, she explains how this whole concept of burning bridges can be compared to not talking about compensation. It's this strategy, it's part of a bigger system that's designed to silence the individual or the employee who are the person who's negatively impacted by that system, so that the employers and those who remain on top and benefit from that system can still stay in control. And all of that is masked as advice to not burn bridges. <laughs> um, but really my take is simple. Why would I want to protect a bridge and preserve that for people I'd never want to interact with again or those that mistreated me? It just doesn't really make sense.
0: I'm, I'm completely on board with that. Um, I think that we do put too much power on people in power um, to not It's almost like you can let bad things continue carrying on after you leave if you never bring them up. And I know that there is a lot of controversy on exit interviews, for example. They tell you, don't be too transparent during an exit interview because then if they go back and do an employer check one day, then your employer is just going to talk bad about you the whole time. But like, I don't know, do we even give those employer names as reference
1: checks in the end? Like, I don't think I would. Exactly. Exactly. And you can still have a positive reference. Um from a contact who wasn't a direct person that you had that issue with right from from a job experience i'm still extremely close to some of my former colleagues and would they would absolutely be my first references not because we developed a personal relationship but because they could very eloquently and most most truthfully speak to what type of employee i was because they're the people you were closest to
0: yeah What kind of advice would you give new parents who are now open to work, whether that is not by choice or they got laid off? Um, You've just been in this market. You have kind of come out with a job now, but what kind of things did you notice going on and what kind of advice would you
1: give? I would say the first piece of advice would be to be so gracious and kind with yourself because you just did this incredibly amazing phenomenal thing in bringing life or raising a hu- deciding to raise a human and bring them into your life and that work alone is the most wholesome contribution and version of work you could ever bring to society truly and that's hard to remember when you're in in the thick of it and you you see everyone else doing these things and starting companies while on maternity leave or whatever, the, the whole comparison thing can go on and on and on. But really trying to just be gracious and pause and remember, this is work. I am working, it's important and it's it's impactful is is key. And then the second thing I would say is to really try to lean into community and find some people for support because it is really hard not to take it personally if you've been job seeking and not turning around and landing something, it's so hard not to take it personally. The stories that you see on LinkedIn of people getting ghosted or the amount of applications they've completed or just the lack of momentum period can be so disheartening, but trying to just offload some of that weight and lean into your people can be really helpful in, the, in those moments.
0: Right. Um, I wanna talk about your non-negotiables now. I know that you mentioned that a couple of those had been crossed. Um, what do you consider to be your non-negotiables when it comes to um, your relationships at work and what you need every day?
1: Yeah, I think um, the first one is flexibility, which will come as no surprise because as working parents and even people who aren't parents, like that is the currency these days. If you wanna keep people, you have to give them flexibility. Because once you give them flexibility, these other qualities come with it, which I would still consider a non-negotiable, which is trust, autonomy over your workload. Um, and when you do have trust and autonomy, you do not usually have this sense of being micromanaged. So I would say that is one of my non-negotiables. Um, and then just having like time and space to operate as it works best for you. In my case, sometimes I don't touch really anything work-related until like 5.30 in the afternoon because that's just the phase of life I'm in and that's the best I can do. So trusting that I'm doing the best with what I've got is key because what I might complete from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. while my daughter's asleep, could be so much better than the quality I would have produced trying to frantically get 20 minutes in here, 20 minutes in there throughout the standard workday.
0: Have you ever had any difficult discussions
1: with people managing you on that? Yeah, let's see here. I don't know. if So I wouldn't say that it was like difficult discussions that I've had. It's more like empty promises. Mm -hmm. So saying and advertising that we're in a space that values flexibility and autonomy and prioritizing your personal life as a mother, but then turning around and being expected to like report and record all these extremely tiny, meaningless details of meetings and agendas and log hours and things like that so it's like well hold on which one is it because this does not make any sense
0: i think that there's a lot of confusion on like even for me like i've talked about this before but like when people tell you that the job that you're applying for is in an asynchronous work environment They don't usually mean that for my understanding. What they mean is that they will put meetings during the best hours for the most people to attend them. What I view as asynchronous is not as many meetings you have to be on, but more action-focused other priorities or using tools like Loom where people can consume the video content at their own time when it's best for them. Um, And I think that there's a misunderstanding of words and things are just thrown out because people don't actually know what they mean. They think it's asynchronous because we hire people who live in all of these time zones and we only make us all meet all together in the one block, but you're still like expected to just pretty much bend over backwards to the common time, no matter what, and do the typical things that you would almost just be doing in an office setting anyway, that they're trying to just kind of like throw together for online environments.
1: For sure. And I think you mentioned in a previous podcast that you did this whole idea of like this HR bait and switch where it's just you know advertise this as one thing and then once you're under the hood of a company you're like wait a second you didn't actually mean flexible you didn't actually mean family friendly you know whatever the thing may be and actually you did remind me so I did have a difficult conversation that was related to this and it was um being told you know, hey, I know you're returning from maternity leave. And um, if you're ever reaching or nearing capacity, let me know, because it's the last thing we'd want you to do is get burnt out. So what do I do? We're getting all these at- meetings added. And my schedule is filling up to the point where I'm like, I was any- I'm-, I'm really struggling with finding just like alone time to do my job because we're always having to report on these like teeny tiny little things. And I'm always having to do this like busy work. It just didn't feel substantial. Um, And so very respectfully, I said, you know, I think, I think I'm nearing capacity, which is a super brave and scary thing to do. But, you know, the offer was out there. And instead of being acknowledged and met with where I was, I was completely challenged on basically every single point I brought up and was the pushback was undeniable. And it was like, well, how, if these are here are your meetings and you should have plenty of time. And I've looked at your calendar and, and it's like, again, empty promises.
0: Well, well you, you mentioned like, like basically told you guys to come forward. If you felt like that, yes. And then you're almost punished for actually doing it. So that's just lip service, I think, at the end. I know you posted about this a little bit on LinkedIn before, um, just about when um, somebody on your team tells you that they can't handle that much or that they are at capacity. Like the best thing that you can do as a manager is believe them. Why do you think it's so tough for that to actually take place, though?
1: I think everyone can get really consumed with what their, their own expectations are. And let that cloud their judgment for empathy, like let that cloud the amount of empathy that they should be expressing toward the people that they're leading. And if you're a team leader and all you can think about are these KPIs or whatever it may be, then that's the best leaders, I think, still don't let that cloud the room for empathy and seeing people as individuals and looking at a person and being able to see both an extremely competent, talented, skilled employee who also has a whole freaking life that they're running when they're not attached to their computer. And if you care about keeping talent, that is good. You have to be able to acknowledge and see both and support both genuinely, not just like you said, have it be a lip service, but then when it comes down to that person needing to exercise that voice, being like, oh, well, actually we've got this thing over here and I need to be able to report to my manager that we're doing the thing so tough.
0: I mean, that's, I feel like it goes down like that so often with people that they end up being afraid to actually come forward and acknowledge that they need help. And I think a little bit of that might have to do with the fact that because we're remote, we almost feel like we need to prove that we can handle that, that we don't need people watching everything that we're doing all the time. So we're afraid if we let our guard down at all or admit anything, it's almost like that's going to be taken away from us. Like we're going to have to go back into another company one day with like a butt in the chair situation.
1: Yes, and that's actually a topic I'm like kind of diving into researching right now to potentially write about is how once you add the intensity of the um, job market right now and how scared people are to put Mm -hmm. any added target or attention on their roles with these layoffs happening left and right, people are just suffering in silence.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think you will tell your daughter one day about your experience leaving for higher grounds?
1: I think that I will tell my daughter that I did something that felt at the time very scary and very unsure, but ultimately when you lean into your own skills and experiences and your worth so wholeheartedly it it empowers you and it like makes you bolder and more confident and that's the type of person that I want to be bringing to my home, my workplace, my friends, my family, all the spaces that I'm in. I want to be honest and authentic to myself and respect myself first. And that In the grand scheme of life, it wasn't that scary. And it wasn't that big of a deal to just advocate for myself and do what I felt in my gut was right. And so I hope that she takes away that she can take, she can take up as much space in any room or job or work environment as she wants, as long as she trusts her gut and is true to herself and can just trust the process that life will just kind of work itself out.
0: Do you have any advice for candidates in this job market now, how they could stand out, but while remaining true to themselves and their values?
1: Yeah. I think the piece of advice I keep circulating in my head whenever I'm not sure how to approach a certain situation is to just be super honest. You never know what's going to resonate with the other individual who's either interviewing you or recruiting you or emailing you. You just, you have to stay honest. And I think that that's different than remaining loyal to any company or boss or manager. Um, And my version of being honest was sharing what was happening on LinkedIn in hopes that it would resonate with somebody who might be looking for someone just like me, or um, maybe wasn't looking for someone just like me, but they are now, or could refer me out to somebody. and i know that that's hard especially when people are job seeking um under the radar right because that's very real too you can't just be like i'm looking for a job when you're still employed necessarily but being able to lean again lean into the community and say with your trusted people hey here's what i'm looking for this isn't really serving me anymore or i didn't really i'm looking for xyz and then trusting that they'll put out those good connections introductions and vibes out into in your um, on your behalf. So yeah, just being honest. You mentioned
0: in a LinkedIn post that you're passionate about having an accountability buddy. How do you find one and what quality should they have? Like who's your accountability buddy now?
1: Yeah, so um the person that I wrote that post about was actually a former coworker of the role that I left and her version of accountability it wasn't accountability for work right because it's like we're all adults no one needs to be micromanaged <laughs> but it's accountability for advocating for yourself and showing up for yourself like you would for anyone else because it's very easy to give your friend or your coworker the pep talk that they need and hype them up but then when you're in that exact scenario, it's it's so easy to dismiss everything and be like, no, but I, I can't wait or I'll take anything or, oh, maybe I don't deserve a salary at this level of compensation or, or whatever. So finding somebody that can hold you accountable for being confident and for advocating for yourself. My accountability partner, I would say first and foremost is my husband. He's totally like my biggest hype, my biggest supporter. Um, And he also works from home. So it makes sense that he sees the interactions that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. He sees how hard I work. He sees my output. But then after that, I always like, I made it my goal with my last role to invest more in the personal side of work relationships and not just keep things surface level, not just reach out when you need something. And that alone has made for, some of the strongest references that I know I could lean on in any given moment as I continue navigating the professional workspace.
0: It's different when you get to know people as an entire human being, instead of just somebody who checks off a box at your job. Definitely.
1: What a concept, right?
0: I know. (laughs) Um, So I'd like to ask everybody who's come on the show to debunk a quote unquote, unpopular opinion that they're finding on their LinkedIn feed, their Twitter feed, Instagram, wherever it might be. Do you have anything in mind?
1: It's super relevant to what this whole conversation has been about. Sort of not coming, not not being straightforward about why you're leaving a job or why you're job searching. Oftentimes, I've seen people say, like, you can come off as bitter, you can come off as ungrateful, you can come off as who knows what. But that, again, is when I go back to, like, okay, well, hold on. What if I'm just honest? I can be honest and still maintain a sense of professionalism. I can be honest and not be bitter. Like, multiple things can coexist at the same time. And I think, the best interviews I've had during this time didn't feel like interviews at all because it was just me showing up very honestly. I wasn't trying to fumble through a perfectly canned response for these questions. I was just very honest about like, hmm, I'm not, you know, here's my working style. Do you think this would complement your goals and, and the workload that you're looking to get fulfilled. Um, or, you know, I, I have a nine month old right now, so I really need something that would allow me to work these hours or that hours, or yeah, it's just not realistic for me to be in five hours of meetings every week. It's just not, you know, so just being honest. And again, that's what I think resonates with people most.
0: Perfect. All right. Hey, labor people go, if they want to find more of you.
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Mostly LinkedIn, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, everybody go follow Haley on LinkedIn. Her profile will be in the show notes if you need to click on it, but I bet you'll be catching it on my um, LinkedIn feed as well. So thank you again for uh, coming on the show today and talking candidly about this very important and relevant topic, especially for now, what's going on in the job economy. Um, I know everybody probably appreciates your take on this. And if you haven't been here yet, It's likely that you will be one day and I'm glad that you were able to kind of give people a heads up and advice on what they should do next. So thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having this platform so that I could talk about it. I really appreciate it. Thanks
0: for listening to Unpopular Opinion.
1: This episode was produced by Audience Ops, a content-led
0: growth agency. If you're looking for help launching a podcast, Audience Ops handles all the legwork, so you can focus on providing the subject matter expertise. If you enjoyed this episode,
1: please follow Ashley's show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube.